Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The U.S. Market Update with Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the U.S. Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheong, and it's investors prepare for key data to be released later this week. Both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite ended with modest gains. The S&P 500 inched up by nearly 0.2% to end at 5,078 points, and the Nasdaq added close to 0.4% to close at 16,035 points. Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average fell by a quarter percent. It closed at 38,972 points. These moves follow a losing day on Wall Street that pulled the Dow and S&P off record highs seen last week after NVIDIA's stellar earnings report. So for more insights about all these issues, we will be joined by Sona Verghese, the Vice President and Global Macro Strategist at Carson Group. Welcome to the show, Sonu. Hi, Sean. Thank you for having me and uh, good morning. That's Get to it. So the three major indexes, they are on tracks for wins. We have just three days left in February's trading month. Is there anything investors should be wary about that could possibly change that course? I think coming into January, you know, this is usually a week. What's surprising is this. February tends to be a, a relatively weak month for markets. Usually the market's best months are uh, November, December, January. But now we've had a really strong February and there's really good momentum. I mean, the S&P 500 the broad market index is up close to seven, up about seven percent year to date over the last since the end of last year. Over the last four months, almost the S and P is up about twenty one percent. Small cap stocks are about up twenty four percent. So there's really good momentum. It's a good sign. Momentum begets momentum when you look ahead as well. When January and February are higher, historically the final ten months uh, average is about twelve point two percent. The median return is about eleven percent. So you're looking at another potentially strong, positive year for the equity market here in the U.S., Sean. All right, so some analysts are saying that the market really doesn't have a lot of direction right now, and until the Fed starts to change interest rates at least. So investors are not going to dramatically diversify into mid- and small-cap stocks. Do you agree? I think the, all the story has been the Magnificent Seven, especially both last year and even coming into this year, and especially last week with NVIDIA. Uh, but, you know, small-cap stocks, have had a lot of momentum. I mean, they've underperformed, I think, uh, this year over the last two months. But still, going back to the end of October through to today, uh, the small cap, the Russell 2000 index is actually up 24% versus 21% for the S&P 500. So there is momentum there. And, you know, even beyond the Magnificent Seven, we think industrials hit new highs, financials hit new highs, Berkshire is doing really well. I know mm-hmm. you're going to talk about Japan. Warren Buffett talked about Japanese stocks doing really well. He's got some in his portfolio too. So across the world, you know, whether it's the German DAX or even the Japanese Nikkei hitting new highs, it's beyond the Magnificent Seven too. Okay, so let's also take a look at those uh, consumer confidence numbers. They fell on worries of a potential labor market slowdown and a polarized political landscape. How much would that weigh on markets in the coming weeks? Just to put it in broader perspective, consumer confidence has been rising since October. So I think this is more of a bump along an uptrend. Uh, it, it doesn't continuously go up. So between inflation, maybe a little bit of labor market pullback. Remember, January was really strong with 300 and, you know, oh, just under $400,000, 400,000 jobs gained in January. So you know, I, I think February, we're due for a little bit of a pullback. But at the end of the day, the labor market is strong. Consumers are still telling us that, you know, uh, jobs, 
that are plentiful, uh, about 41, 42% of uh, respondents to the Consumer Confidence Survey said that. And jobs hard to get, it's still hovering around 13%. So that differential is still strong relative to where we were pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Initial claims for unemployment benefits, that's also running low. So I think the labor market is strong. It's eased from where it was a year, year and a half ago. But that's not a bad thing, especially as far as the Fed is concerned, because you know, quits are falling, all of that. So wage growth is not as strong. And, you know, like I said, for the Fed, they need not be concerned that inflation will resurge again on the back of strong wage growth. So then we say that good earnings of late are too much of a good thing, especially after we saw that positivity from Macy's and Lowe's. Uh, I, I think I'll put it this way. I think I'd rather have markets go up on the back of strong earnings rather than strong valuations. I mean, if you just take NVIDIA, for example, you know, they since December 31st, 2021, through to yesterday, NVIDIA is up about 169%. Out of that, 274% has actually come from earnings growth. Multiples multi- have actually fallen. Multiples have gr- dragged returns by about 105 percentage points. And so that's how you get to 169%, like I said. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there is you know, quote-unquote, a lot of activity somewhere. It's probably in capital expenditures, but I think everyone's trying to jump over each other, trying to make investments in AI, and NVIDIA is a beneficiary of that. All right, so let's uh, get back to the topic of cutting interest rates. There seems to be many cross-currents between the bull case and the bear case. All in all, unemployment is low, GDP is strong, and the economy has weathered several rate hikes. So is it fair to think that there are less reasons now for the Fed to cut rates other than the fact that it's an election year? I think so. I mean, we've always been in the camps that uh, the Fed may cut three to four times. In fact, even the Fed told us that in their summary of economic projections, were the so-called dot plot, in, at their December meeting, they projected about three rate cuts in 2024. But markets, you know, I think went far ahead of that. Just six weeks ago, Sean, markets are pricing in about seven rate cuts. So about a total of 1.75 percentage points across 2024. There's been a massive repricing since then. Right now, markets are projecting what the Fed is projecting. That is about three rate cuts in 2024. So the good news is despite that repricing of rate cut expectations, markets are positive. I think that's a really good thing. And it just shows how much momentum and how much the story is really about profitability more than anything else. The market's not geared on interest rates and interest rate cut expectations. It's more about profitability. And that's a good thing. And let's not forget the first federal funding deadline is approaching at the end of this week when several government agencies are due to run out of money. So which stocks may be pressured if Congress fails to reach an agreement on the budget in due time? I think for the most part, the most cyclical stocks are likely to be most impacted if Congress doesn't reach an agreement and there is a shutdown. We think that's unlikely. I mean, the president had a meeting with the Speaker of the House and the heads of the Senate today. So we think it is unlikely because it's in nobody's interest, especially in an election year, to have a shutdown. But in the event of a shutdown, I think you you probably see markets pull back in the immediate term, but chances are we'll get an agreement very quickly. The shutdown may not last for more than a few weeks. Like I said, it is an election year. Nobody, especially the politicians in D.C., do not want to keep the government closed, right? So I think cyclical stocks may hit, you know, may go down a little bit more, but I I think uh, things will probably snap back sooner rather than later even if there is a government shutdown. All right, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. Thanks for those insights, Sonu. 
Yeah, thank you for having me, Sean. Pleasure to be on. We've been speaking with Sonu Vergis, the Vice President and Global Macro Strategist at Carson Group. This has been the US Markets Web, so stay with us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.